Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. You can subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast, at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite download service, and never miss the great content we offer. Hello, and welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. I'm Jacqueline Witt, the editor for A Better Peace, and a professor of strategy here at the U.S. Army War College. Here at War Room, and within the broader defense community, questions about military pay and benefits are often linked to huge policy debates. The defense budget, national health care, recruiting and retention, personnel policies. But at the tactical level, that is what all these things mean for individual service members and their families, we tend to be a little quieter. We don't talk much about it at all officially at the War College. So I'm pleased to have in the studio today two recent U.S. Army War College graduates to talk about the importance of personal finance and financial planning for military officers. Jay Parker is an Army aviation officer and currently assigned to the Pentagon. Hi, Jackie. It's great to be here. Thanks. And second, we have Mark Henderson, and he's an Army acquisition officer assigned to Aberdeen Proving Ground. Hey, how's it going, Jackie? Glad to be here. All right. So as I said in the introduction, at the War College, we spend most of our time talking about really high-level things related to defense and security. And so I'm interested to know why you all think personal finance is an important topic for senior military officers to think about really intentionally and carefully. Well, I think it's uh, it's very important because, as you mentioned in the introduction, we are a people-based organization. And regardless how we want to feel about it, money is an important thing. It gives peace of mind. It's one of the things that comes with a security clearance. They do a background check, a financial check, a credit check. And any of those things that aren't in in sync kind of delay what you can do professionally regardless of your rank. And furthermore, any type of stress that it adds at the house reduces your performance at the tactical, strategic, or operational level. Okay, so this is clearly related to performance, um, job performance, military effectiveness at some level. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when I think about it, I think about CEDA. I think about, you know, risk of vulnerability of that given individual officer uh, to being compromised potentially by external adversaries. Um, there's risk to the job and the job performance if a, if a person's mind is on their personal finances, their soldiers, their soldiers' families. And even if uh, you as an individual have got your personal finances squared away, chances are going off of national averages there's probably many in your population of your soldiers uh, or civilians that may or may not be in a good place also. So right. you know, as a leader, knowing something about personal finances and sort of generally the environment and the um, sort of ecosystem of finance could be a helpful thing for you in order to mentor and coach people who work for you. Right. And setting the setting a positive example for what you can do with the proper finances or knowing that everyone's going to have a hard time one way or the other and moving forward and knowing that there's a way to take care of yourself and your family, uh, both currently and in the future, are all great things and in a way we can assure that we're a better force at all levels. Okay. So let's do sort of personal finance 101 and try to do as quickly as we can a sure. sort of crash course for our listeners. So what are some of the major sort of moving pieces that they need to be aware of? 
just taking a stab, there's uh, four things that really come to my mind just at, at a very high level, and it's savings, investing, insurance, and legacy planning or planning for the future. Uh, there's a big difference between saving and investing. Uh, if you're if you need the money in five years or less, it's generally considered by professionals to be savings. If you're talking more than five years, uh, especially ten years and beyond, uh, that's investing. Uh, but once you have your savings and your investing uh, investing accounted for, you definitely need to be thinking about insurance, and that's kind of like the uh, the conceptual shock absorbers between you, your finances, and the bumps of life that come up uh, uh, at the worst possible times. And then, of course, legacy and transition planning for the future, thinking about, you know, at the end of your life cycle, you know, whenever that is, you know, what is your plan to see that your assets are handed off effectively mm-hmm. to your loved ones? And with the military, you have a defined benefit plan. So once you hit 20, you start with 50% of base pay, and it's pretty good. And even with the blended retirement system, those that are behind us 5, 10, 15, 20 years will have a guaranteed pension of some sort, but it's only partial. And then once you start hitting 67, which I think is what it is for us, you have Social Security, assuming it'll still be there and at what level. And with the current politics, whether certain people are able to claim their Social Security will be a big question. So it's all these different parts. It's almost like the, uh, the stool for strategy of end ways means balanced by risk, kind of what you talked about, the four, the four pieces. So do we have a four-legged stool instead of a... I don't know. I think legacy could be the risk <laughs> that balances there. I mean, four-legged stool is pretty solid. It's pretty stable, right? It's called you a chair, take, I think. You can take one of those away. You know, and it's funny talking about the, the stool because the basic premise has always been the three-legged stool. There was Social Security, there was personal savings, and there, there was that defined benefit plan that everyone knew was always going to be there. And uh, those times have changed. And so there's going to be Social Security to a varying degree. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I think it'll be there. I mean, then, uh, yeah, unless you're in your 20s like Jackie. I'm not in my, <laughs> not in my 20s anymore. This is Jackie outrage. is the one millennial that's here I, on this. I'm always the last one to know. You are the last <laughs> one to know. So, but again, this idea that you have to plan for an uncertain uncertain future and that you don't know exactly what will be there um, for for military personnel um, under the under the current pension system or even under the blended retirement system, there is some element of, of certainty that we feel pretty confident that the U.S. government is going to make good on its on its promises. Sure. Um, but you also have opportunities uh, for other for other investments for other savings uh, again for legacy planning for insurance that may not all be um, sort of encapsulated by that pension plan. So so relying solely on the, the pension maybe isn't the isn't the right way to go. And depending on your family circumstances, right, you may have a spouse with another income. You may have uh, a different, a whole other set of, of retirement calculations. And you hit the nail on the head. And this is a topic, you know, talking about its relevancy and applicability to uh, members of the military and senior civilians, as well as all civilians and all members of the military, uh, it is extremely important. This is a topic that's not really well covered, but there's a lot of personal initiative that goes hand in hand with planning for retirement. And when you look at headlines in the papers that come up about every other day, uh, I think we were talking about an article that I pulled up probably just two days ago, 
where they were talking uh, the extremely low percentages of people that are taking advantage of retirement plans to any degree. So whether it's individual savings, 401ks, Roth IRAs, uh, many people have these available to them. But despite that, unless they're mandatorily opted in, which is usually at a minimum level, uh, they really don't take full advantage of it. And that's yeah. why it is so important, if nothing else, people get a little bit of education on this topic because no one really does talk about it, and it really is that important. Right. I think there was some more recent studies and a, a kind of abiding line that 50% of the middle class couldn't find $400 in an emergency because they didn't have the savings. You talked about zero to five years not being able to reach back and have a $400 coverage. And that's important. There are plenty of things that you need that could happen. And $400, we don't think about it as being a lot of money. You know, you're in the acquisition system. I'm in the aviation world. There are not many things that cost less than $400. So our eyes are a little different. But when you think about it in your own pocketbook, there are a lot of things you start thinking about and you, and you cascade that down. And I would say I'm not familiar with anything outside maybe – uh, SFL TAP, the Army Transition Program, that even starts to talk about these things. So there, there's no teaching, there's no understanding until right at the very end, the last year, okay, here you go. And if you're in your 40s or 50s or the 20s like Jackie is, you have time, but you know you can't wait. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, 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 some interest and savings accounts in the future, uh, in the future of this podcast, but the longer you wait to start, the less it's going to be in the end. And I know there's more current discussions coming out in many of the press uh, pages of people talking about personal finances. It was verboten in, in families. Uh, the, P, the, the president of the PGA talked about how she didn't know anything about personal finances because her family refused to talk about it and how important it is for her and then other people that she comes into contact with. Even Harvard University is starting to teach personal finances to its undergrads because it's so important and they just don't know. And even with Harvard having a forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar head start for recent grads over the rest uh, of the college graduates, not to mention the non-college graduates, it's very important and something that we are waking up to seeing in the current world. Right, and and you know, just kind of building on your point, uh, you have an entire industry that's grown out of creating a dependence on people that need advice that really are interested in trying to figure out what to do. And so they turn to the private sector to try to find professionals that, you know, will show them how to do some of these things. Uh, it probably once one thing I would probably toss out there is, you know, advice is good. Just be mindful of where the advice comes mm -hmm. from and the people that give it. Um, so again, you have an entire industry that's really good at coming between a person and their, lifetime savings. Uh, one of the things that I've come across is something like NAPFA, uh, which is the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Uh, so an organization like that comes to mind because uh, advisors that work for that kind of an organization have what they call a fiduciary responsibility. And so one of the, one of the things that I would ask any advisor or anyone that's offering you advice, first question is, how do you get paid? Uh, and there's some really slick answers that are out there. And I think that's why the thrift savings plan 
is a great asset. I know many of us or most of us are part of that throughout the government. And you got some of the details and the specs on it, Mark. It's a pretty good program with a really, really low entrance fee. It is. It is. It's fantastic. And, uh, you know, of course, it's If you can get your password. Correct. You've got to get that password straight. <laughs> Otherwise, you just you're not going to see what's your on the other side of the wall. I think you can do it's it better to now. forget about it for years and years and years, and, and just then see it. it. And, yeah, don't even watch it. And, and that's actually great advice because you get into the discussion of uh, I'm not going to bore you with things like modern portfolio theory, or we're not going to go down that <laughs> pathway. But you know, it's the argument between active versus passive management of assets, and you know, finding a broad based low-cost, well-diversified investment and holding it for a long period of time. You know, costs matter, taxes matter. Uh, but being that, as I understand it anyway, the thrift savings plan that we enjoy is closely linked to or very similar to what the Congress actually has at their disposal yeah. as well. So it's a great system. It's and a it's, great it's plan. it's low-cost and with, with enough options to diversify and, and you can play – play with how things are allocating yes if you want or you can just let it let it do its thing and i think diversification is a good point we've talked about the different levels of savings investing uh insurance and then legacy planning for the future but with diversification and investing i think you have to diversify beyond just the thrift savings plan as well it's better to look into your own ira Try to max that out if you can. Look into your own mutual funds or other savings vessels that you can to further diversify uh, and maximize what you need. I I think we get paid plenty, and there's one of the things I think that I personally have done that worked out well is once you have a car and you pay the car loan off, you're not used to seeing that money, so don't give yourself a raise. Reinvest that into something new, whether a direct savings account, money market, or some type of mutual fund program, it'll work well in the end. And with today's quality of products, your car, your cell phone, your computer, whatever, are going to work a lot younger than at least when Mark and I were young. Jackie doesn't know about having to get a flip phone every year and a half. That was a long time ago. I, I, I remember four years old now. I remember they were talking no about the concept of cars, and then they turned the, the, the century, and we actually saw the Model T. But I'm dating myself. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Back in 1999, <laughs> Prince was singing about the, the Model other, T. The other turn of the century. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this this brings me to I, I guess a question about some of the the pitfalls and and one of the one of the pitfalls seems to be, and we we see this um, reflected in research, is that people feel a squeeze because things because of the cost of goods. The cost of things like education, insurance, um, those are really expensive sort of big ticket items that we think are, are necessary for um, sort of maintaining a middle class lifestyle. Um, and those can run up against the sort of long term planning. So maybe can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, I think there's a, an effect of keeping up with the Joneses whether you're single, you're married. I know Mark just started a family, uh, which is rare for people in our uh, port, our, our year groups. Having a brand new newborn is something definitely new and something you have to figure out. But keeping up with the Joneses, you talked about your iPhone, I talked about a new car. Do we even need that now? 
and being able to temper your desire to keep up, to have to be flashy, to have the biggest house, the nicest car, the biggest watch. Do you need all these things? And the question and the answer is generally no. Do you need the latest fashion? Do you need the latest shoes? Is it okay to wear a polo shirt that you've had for five years? I would say, yeah, probably. Go enjoy yourself. Army officers, you should also have clothes that are not polo shirts. Yes, you that's should. A, what? That's an outrage. For the record. And as I look at my polo shirt. <laughs> You're yes. both, you, 100% both of them right. are wearing polo shirts right now. We are. It, it's a warm day in Carlisle. I don't know when this will be published, but it's a warm day. It's not raining for a change, so we're very happy here. Uh, and, you know, you're going back to that. You talk about... Perfect weather for polos. Yeah, one of the... Exactly. One of the uh, <laughs> instructors here, Leo Wong, had an article from like 10, 12 years ago asking uh, Army officers not to wear khakis because they're stuck in the 80s or back when they were a major. Uh, so, yes, update your clothes. I have a theory that you can tell when someone entered the Army by what they wear when they retire. Because they get they get stuck for that for that twenty years, and so whatever whatever was the fashion when you were lieutenants, will be the bulk of your wardrobe for thank, the rest of your lives. Thank goodness for our better halves. All right. So, what are when you're thinking about your peer group, uh, lieutenant colonels mm-hmm. and colonels, uh, what are some of the of the sort of problems and pitfalls that you sort of foresee um, for your for again for your peer cohort? A uh, couple of things that come to my mind. Uh, living on credit. Uh, that's that's a real good one. Ooh, uh, yeah, not good. Credit cards make it really, really easy to spend money. Uh, I, I like to keep up with several consumer advocates. And for people that, that find it entirely too easy to spend freely with credit cards, they've got this program called a credit freeze where they literally recommend you take your credit cards, put it in a Ziploc bag filled with water, and put it in the freezer. Freeze it into an ice block. So when you feel the urge to go run down to the store and just start buying things, you, you pull it out, put it on the counter, and wait for it to thaw. And then if you still feel the urge, well, it is it is something to kind of put the, the brakes on. Uh, hopefully, hopefully people, by the time they're at our level, have enough self-discipline <laughs> that they don't have to do that. And, and we know they're not. We know there are people out there that do not or as they get promoted into more senior positions, yep. they have a different feeling that they want to contribute or they want to buy lunch or they want to throw a big party or they've got to show up their other brigade or battalion commanders yep. or they want to host their other brigade and battalion commanders or show off to someone and they get into a trap that they have never gotten into and it could be an addiction and maybe that freezing has to happen. No, that's a great point and uh, kind of expressed a little bit differently. Uh, there's three books that I, I subscribe to and I, I like tremendously. And it's a series of Millionaire Next Door. And then there was two more that followed. But the way that they would describe people that are generally doing fairly well and making good money decisions, they were they would basically describe their uh, desire to be a little bit more thrifty, uh, a little bit more conservative in their spending, uh, certainly spend less than what they make always make sure that they save a portion and put it away. Um, you know, maybe maybe they do kind of fit the polo sort of uh, motif, but but typically uh, people that would that would kind of fit the description of the millionaire to next door described as dull normal, the kinds of people that you would typically run into and you would never know. They probably drive a used car, an old Toyota, uh, 
you know, they probably would wear clothes that would strike you as, you know, unremarkable. Um, Polo shirts. Yeah. They'd probably live in a house, you know, 30, 40 years old. They probably, on average, didn't spend more than $350,000 national average on their house. And they typically don't move around. So that definitely. Right. I think you bring up a great point of being content. Yep. Uh, with what you have in life. I mentioned earlier, keeping up with the Joneses, there's no need to do that. You mentioned an old Toyota. Cars now run for 200,000, 300,000 miles. If you remember, I think it was yep. Subaru commercials 10, 20 years ago, they would show 100,000 mile ticker, yep. 200,000 mile ticker, and it was such a big deal. Those commercials aren't around anymore because everything from your beater truck to your old Toyota to a brand new car last a long time as long as you don't put tesla autopilot on i guess they all last a long time they're gonna be around there's no need for a new car to harken back you pay your car off put that money away don't give yourself a raise put it right into savings or investing you know if you or you have your home Mm -hmm. now start paying more to start paying the principal down so you have less fewer payments and fewer interest to pay the bank where you got the mortgage from. There are all these things that you can consider and move forward with, um, but we don't take the time in the military to teach this. And regardless of our desire for selfless service, money has an impact and a role, and we've got to be careful, as does everyone else. The worst thing we need is someone on a patrol or a flight or even working in the acquisition program like you do and wondering how can I make another buck. And it goes right back to what we talked about at the beginning all the bad choices we could make. Right. And there's, there's one other thing I definitely wanted to make sure I inserted in here. And uh, it's, it's a point that you actually brought up and we were talking about uh, just a couple of days ago, but that's you know, certainly at our stage of the game and where we are in our careers, uh, perhaps more so, you, know, you start talking about families and the health of your families now that let's say your parents are getting older and how you keep up with them and their health care. And Oh yeah. And yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a certain set of sort of personal lifestyle choices, right? Yep. Goods and the things that we buy, the place that we live, the cars that we drive. And then there's a there's a whole other set of things that are largely sort of out of out of your control You're or which exactly or right. which you know are going to come, aging parents, children who need to go to college yep. or stay um, on the dole. Your dole or stay for 26 dole years or whatever right, it know. is. So you got um, 25 years, 10 months I know. to go. Yeah. I'm starting to save for college right now. <laughs> And so you've got these you've got these big long term things that you also know yep. you need you need to plan for and there are there are strategies sort of to use to think about those as well and not only long term health of, of parents yes. and family members but our own long term sort of healthcare needs as well. Yeah, and I'm a I'm a so kind of getting back to one of the earlier things that we talked about briefly was insurance and as much as savings and, and uh, investing are important, putting money away for the long term, you know, y- you think about the unforeseen things that you talked about that can literally go bump in your life. Uh, you know, by law, it's required that you have auto insurance. I mean, you don't get a say so on that. Uh, and it's important that way, if you get into an unforeseen event, which is a, a terrible accident, uh, not only are you covered, but also if it, if you're at fault, it can protect others. Uh, within that realm, there's things that people don't think about, like long-term care insurance. Uh, it's available. 
uh, especially for uh, for people as they start getting older. It's something to think about. But way cheaper if you buy it when you're young. Yes, it is. And, and just the plans have changed over time. Like uh, when we went looking for that for my parents probably 15 years ago, the cost of what it would cost today is astronomical and the amount of benefit is less, but it's still better than nothing at all. Uh, there's personal liability insurance that uh, not many people talk about, uh, but I'm a big believer in uh, things like umbrella insurance, which is just uh, personal liability. So above and beyond home insurance, above and beyond auto insurance, um, if you're at fault for you know, an accident, uh, or if you're the, on the receiving end of a lawsuit for some reason, you can buy umbrella insurance in increments, usually of about a million dollars uh, per increment, uh, maybe up to $10 million. But it's, it's really cheap. It's really affordable. And it's that extra layer of protection that you can have in addition to things like health insurance, uh, uh, auto insurance, home insurance, the more known insurances. But that's like an extra layer of protection, certainly as your assets hopefully grow over time. Um, it would be foolish to have, you know, $5 million in total assets, liquid and illiquid total value, but you don't have enough insurance to protect you in case you, you get sued, for example. Right. I mean, if we want to bring it back to the War College and the three-legged stool and roll legacy into insurance, yep. you know, uh, or legacy on its own, and insurance is the kind of the risk ramp there you are paying for peace of mind and support in the future and anything that you can give yourself peace of mind or flexibility or more decision-making time. We talk about at the strategic level, give as much time and space for the strategic leaders mm -hmm. to make a decision. Insurance kind of does that for you. It allows that whether you need a 1 million umbrella or a 5 million umbrella uh, policy, it gives you that peace of mind and time to be able to make a better decision. And I think it's a great, great point. Sure. And then recently, uh, you did mention the the birth of my daughter here recently. So one Congratulations, thing, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. uh, I've awesome. had to revisit life insurance. So we all know about it, but it's certainly important. Uh, you know, under the military, we're covered. Uh, but one of the things that I've personally done is I've gone out into the, the free market and I found a 20-year level term policy because I do know that you know, when I eventually, you know, do separate from the service, I probably will not continue the military insurance as it's offered. And so now is a really good time, especially when you're uh, younger to lock in a long-term uh, term type policy. And so that's already in place for her. So that's something very important uh, to replace the income that you would have accrued over the course of your working life that let's say your spouse or partner and your children would be depending on if you die and you just were not there to provide it anymore. And regardless, I know my wife, my wife works. She's a PhD biochemist, does great work as a chief business officer. So I think you know you're, where the brains in the family are. Oh, yes. I mean, I have honestly asked to see if I can put her PhD on my ORB, my officer record brief. Uh, the generals laugh at that and think it's a great idea. It just has never worked. So, uh, but even with that, the replacement's important. The peace of mind's important. And it all comes together. And it's just another thing that we can do and we can think through. And you brought up another point about leaving the military. Another reason we're looking at this is because within five years, the vast majority of recent graduates from the Army War College will no longer be in the military. They will have moved on, whether it's a second career or trying to be, uh, you know, couch surfing 
on their retirement, whatever it is, they're going to move on. There are some of those that will become general officers, but those people will have their time. The rest of us have to focus on what's next. And then it's a, it's a whole other world of, of things to sort of consider um, retirement vehicles. That, right, lots of calculations change, but recent graduates of the Army War College aren't old. No. Nope. Um, Our instructors are younger. Sometimes, only only a handful of us. Um, so, if you were going to look back and give your, say, lieutenant and captain selves some advice, sort of knowing what you know now, having the experiences that you that you have, um, what would you what would you tell? And I think we we've covered some of this already, but what would you tell, um, sort of junior officers in particular? I'd say start early, start early. Um, you know, when you think about the power of compounding interest over time is something that Einstein actually talked about. You know, it's, it's amazing. It, it is a powerful force. You know, time is limited in its quantity, uh, but the power of compounding interest combined with time is truly awesome. The right. earlier you start, the less you can put away. Uh, but personally, if it were me talking to my younger self, I would say, Mark, Put away, tighten the belt, put away as much as you possibly can, especially when you're younger, because, you know, as time goes by and your priorities change, you know, things that interest you change, in my case, you'll get married, you know, you'll start your family a little bit later. um, And so you're going to have other things that are going to be, you know, certainly uh, important to uh, utilize those dollars on. You'll never regret it. Another thing to consider is uh, for those that say, well, you know, I I probably wish I would have started a little bit earlier, but I didn't. Don't despair. Uh, Then start now. Start now. The best time to have planted a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now now. because you also kind of talked about we're living longer these days than we did 25 years ago. So our our time horizon is that much longer than it Mm -hmm. used to be. And you need to make sure ideally you don't run out of money when you're in retirement people are working longer they're living longer and the quality of of those last years is is higher in addition to starting early and tightening the belt i would make every chance to diversify and to take tax into account use a roth ira if and when you can maximize it out Uh, once you get out ensure that the uh your business will match your investments Max that out. Whatever you have to do to get someone else to add to your program, do it. With a blended retirement system, there's a type of matching fund. For civilians in the government workforce, there's a matching fund. Whatever whatever you can do to have someone else add to yours, maximize that first and then continue saving. And what I've mentioned several times, if you have a car payment, a house payment, or something that has ended, don't give yourself a raise. Move that in. And then be that millionaire next door you talked about, you know, be able to retire and not have to take a second or third job and not really be retired, be able to enjoy it and be able to take time and vacations, whatever you need to do, but plan ahead, sacrifice early, take taxes into account, know things are going to change, don't depend on that third government leg of Social Security. It'll be there for most of us, uh, for a little while anyway, but don't depend on someone else take advantage of what you can and be personally involved. Sure. And and just the last point, just to reiterate something we talked about earlier, be mindful that the advice is worth having, you know, be wary of the people that say, you know, 
come and talk to us and we'll throw out a really nice steak dinner and we'll talk about your money. <laughs> and probably not my first choice. Um, you know, so just, you know, please do yourself a favor. Always make sure whoever you're going to be talking to, you want to talk about up front. You know, make sure you understand how they're getting paid. If it sounds too good to be true, if it doesn't make any logical sense, if it's not clear and easily understandable, go ahead and uh, take another pick. Um, there's plenty of people that Talk are out there. Talk to multiple people. Yes. yes. Yeah. Multiple Educate them. yourself. And try to find a try to find a fiduciary or someone that that is literally bound right. to do your higher good best. And, and the last thing I would say on this, don't be the flashy one. Let your peers be the flashy ones. You don't like this flashy polo? I know it's great. It takes me back to 1999. <laughs> I've got a hole in my shirt. So I knowingly walked out with a hole in my shirt today. So no need to keep up with the flashy people. Let someone else do that. Know that you'll be okay in the end. Know that you'll be safe. Know that you won't ever have that credit card running away that you'll have to worry about uh, an additional level of stress. Our jobs are stressful enough. Don't make financial planning and retirement one of them. All right. So Mark, Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we've, I think, had a great conversation today about money, about finances, about planning, uh, which military officers and national security professionals are in the in the business of, right? We plan for our own future just as we would plan for the nation's future and the Army's future. Um, so again, thanks for coming and joining me on War Room. It's been a pleasure. Sure. Thank you very much, Jackie. Absolutely. Appreciate it. And as Clausewitz would agree with. Save, invest, and plan for the future. That's right. I have no idea where that came from, but okay. (laughs) It works. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.